We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast welcome back packers fans to the pack a day podcast it is your saturday crew it is game day the playoffs are here the 2021 season has ended and the playoffs have obviously commenced wildcard re- weekend happened last week the packers Not involved because they didn't have to be, but they will host later today the San Francisco 49ers at Lambeau Field for the divisional round of these here playoffs. I am one of your hosts, Jason Perrone of the Pack-A-Day Podcast, Game on Wisconsin, and the Quick Slants Podcast, along with Paul Brettel of Dairyland Express, Cheesehead TV, and the Packers Unrestricted Podcast, and Matt Fralick of Game on Wisconsin and the Final Dump Podcast. Gentlemen, it is time. The playoffs are here. Paul, we'll start with you. You're in the great Dairyland state of Wisconsin. We will do the weather in the correct order, but how are you feeling? It's game day. It's finally here. I am so incredibly excited. Not to downplay the regular season. We all know how important it is. Every year is a new year. As Aaron Rodgers says, you have a new team. You have to find that way to win with each new team. Every game is important to build that success towards the postseason. You have to prove that you are one of the top teams. And once again, the Green Bay Packers have, but we knew coming into this season when we don't know what the future holds, that this was potentially a last dance. So there's all of that added energy, excitement, and just everything surrounding the playoffs. Cause we knew that the Super Bowl is the end goal. And now we're starting that, you know, as Rogers calls it the second season. So I am so incredibly excited to get it underway. Yeah. For sure, that's exactly what it is. The Packers have some seriously high goals here. Mr. Fralick, just down the street from Paul Brettel, how excited are you? I'm pretty jacked, man. I mean, honestly, like living up to those expectations, like Paul said, the Super Bowl is the goal. Um, sometimes you fall short of those goals, but at this point, they are trending in the right direction, even more so after these last couple of weeks with just the way the roster sh- shook out a little bit and guys coming back, obviously that's been the focal point and gotten some national media attention, but a week off, maybe a week and a half, essentially with you have a, a half of a, a, a game you didn't play um, versus the lions and bad taste in the mouth for some Packers fans, but it's time to, instead of speculating that let's actually play the damn game tonight at seven fifteen in title time. Let's go as they say, all right, let's get the weather going and let's get to this 
game preview here. So we have Alex in Poland. It's been a while since we've heard from him. He is looking forward to the Packers, hopefully, and Aaron Rodgers, hopefully, slicing and dicing in our defense. We'll kick their freezing behinds. Figuratively, he says he doesn't want any penalties. So speaking of freezing, he says in Poland, they are in the high 20s for the last week or so with some wind and a little bit of snow. And then we move over to Sweden, where we have a couple of entries. I think each one of you has an entry. So I don't know, whichever one of you wants to go first. Paul, we'll start with your weather report. Yep, so I got a message from Green Bay Packers, Sweden. He's in Stockholm specifically. He said it snowed heavily a couple days ago, low at 20 degrees, high of 38 Fahrenheit, of course. And he says he might travel to the conference championship game if the Green Bay Packers are able to get there. Uh, Green Bay Packers, Sweden also sent me a link. So for the uh, Northeast Wisconsin residents over at Green Bay Press Gazette, if you get the paper or greenbaypressgazette.com, they did a profile on 12 different international Green Bay Packers fans. So it's a fun read. Check that out as well. Good stuff. And then Matt Fralick jumping in with the weather report. We got a full roster of weather this week. It's. I think it's just like everyone's excited, right? Everyone had to get in. I didn't have to throw like a, the bat signal out there on Twitter this week. I actually got one from a guy, Martin, who's been coming pretty strong the last couple months for me ever since I've been a part of this Saturday crew. But Martin says... Uh, the weekend weather looks like a mix of sunshine, snowfall, temperature about 23 degrees Fahrenheit. The thing here, too, though, he goes, my only question is if I'm going to stay up during the game and watch it live or stay away from social media and watch it later on Sunday because kickoff is at 2.15 a.m. Sunday morning. Go Pack Go. I've never been in that predicament, but I can very, very, very rest assured that, one, I wouldn't be able to have enough self-control to stay off Twitter, and, two, like, <laughs> I don't know how I would wait until the next morning to, like, what, I mean, what time do you wake up? Like, I mean, if it starts at 2.15 a.m., like, you're going to wake up at 6.30 anyways and watch the game, like, right when it's done. I, I don't know how he would do it. So, however Martin's going to figure it out, more power to him um, as a supporter across the across the globe. No, you watch that in real time. I'm telling you right now, that European contingent is dedicated. They are up watching it live, <laughs> and that is really, really, really impressive. Unless it's the Olympics, we really don't have to deal with that here in the States. We're pretty spoiled sure. as far as, as the, the timing of everything, and then we move over to where it really matters. Stateside here in the great Dairyland state of Wisconsin and Green Bay, where it's going to be chilly for this game here on mm-hmm. Saturday night. So I don't know which one of you two won the coin flip, but how are we looking in Green Bay lately, this weekend, and more importantly for tonight? Yeah, I virtually wrestled Paul for this one, and I won somehow. I'm shocked by that, but uh, <laughs> as of now, uh, this morning it's 21 degrees. The wind is the wind. Um, I guess prediction is picked up even more now. We have gusts predicted up to 25 miles an hour and like a steady of 14. The on Wednesday night there was like there was a forecast of some snow coming in in the morning. And I don't know if that was the local media just trying to drum it up like it was going to be there was going to be some snow on the field for the game. At this point, and uh, Friday night we're recording. There's nothing in the forecast yet, but things could change. There's still a five percent of precipitation where previously I want to say it was maybe above 50 percent, but. Definitely going to factor in with the wind. Uh, going to feel like 7 degrees for the high, and I think by the time we get into the actual kickoff, it is going to be, I mean, it's going to be damn cold. I mean, it's going to feel like minus 1 uh, with a high of 4 at that point. I mean, it is going to be a cold, cold freaking game for those San Francisco 49ers coming east from California. That is what we like. Nice and frigid, nice and cold. All right, well, 
Bring in your warmer thoughts, as I always do. It's actually going to be cloudy here in the Phoenix locale. Let me get my voice a little bit higher. How many more octaves higher can I get it there? It's going to be a little cloudy this weekend. (laughs) High of 70, but cloudy. So I don't know if that that counts or if it's still, you know, I always look for your your guys' facial expressions when I read my weather. Paul, you don't have one anymore. You're tired of it. Paul's been dealing with this. Yeah, exactly. Two and a half years. Like He's just like, whatever, just shut up. And then rounding everything off here, we got our friend in Kamloops, Canada, Harry, who's a couple days, guys, he's a couple days away from the sun hitting his house for the first time in months. So looks like... You can do it, Harry. Sunny and windy, Seriously. high of 36, low of 29, wind chill gets it down to 19. So it's actually going to be warmer there than it is in Green Bay. Bottoms up to any coping mechanism that you use. I guess he's probably talking about to get through the stress of the game and manage the nerves and cheers to all, as he says. So that's the weather. Moving on to Packers football. I know it's a game day, and so it's a little bit of a different type of show. But real quick, as we always usually do on uh, on Saturdays, the injury report, which is the day before the game. So fortunately for the Packers, not a very long list. We'll just skim through it real quickly, guys, and give our quick thoughts. Jair Alexander, David Bakhtiari, both listed as questionable. Alexander was limited in practice all three days. David Bakhtiari did not practice Tuesday or Thursday. Limited Wednesday. He will be a game-time decision. And wide receiver Marquez Valdez-Scantling listed as doubtful. He's still dealing with his back issue, only limited on Tuesday, didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday. So we'll start with that. Matt, I'll start with you. Two pro bowlers, two all pros, Jay Alexander, David Bakhtiari. would love to have them out there against the 49ers, but the Packers obviously have to be smart. They were able to get by and get past the 49ers. Earlier this season was Josh Nyman at yet left tackle, although this is the playoffs. Nick Bosa for the 49ers will play. He's not even listed as questionable, so he's clear of the concussion protocol. The Niners come in pretty healthy as well. They don't really have anybody that's out. A couple guys questionable, uh, Jordan Willis on the defensive line and Ambry Thomas, cornerback, but all their starters look to be ready to play. So we'll start with Alexander and Bakhtiari. It'd be Jair's first action in a long time. Bakhtiari, obviously we need him out there as far as keeping Rodgers clean and that being a big issue in last uh, season's playoffs. How are we feeling about the possibility that they may or may not play? I mean, it's wild, honestly, that it's come to this point where we're getting all these guys back. And if I was a better podcaster and a Packers fan, an NFL fan, I'd probably do some research on how many teams are, you know, by by week as a first round by in the playoffs or anything of that matter, got a couple guys like this in the playoffs back off of a couple weeks of injuries, let alone almost damn near the whole year. I mean, that is just an incredible extra boost for this team to be able to have uh, all pros back. And you mentioned Bakhtiari. It sounded like today uh, Paul had told us in the pre-production that um, Rappaport mentioned he's going to go through walkthroughs, see how that goes today, and we'll go from there. Jair looks like he'll be a full go. I mean, he has been participating on the sidelines for, I feel like, since around Thanksgiving by himself, just running around, finally put the shell on, finally put the shoulder pads on. LaFleur made a really, really bad dad joke about how he could kind of uh, figure out if that shoulder was good this week about running, you know, putting the strapping up the shoulder pads and running through a uh, concrete wall. I didn't think it was that funny. Matt LaFleur obviously sticks sticks more to the X's and O's. Um, but honestly, I mean, the thing with – I think Bakhtiari is going to be a go. I don't see why not. I mean, there'd have to be something that happened, obviously, from that Lions game with the setback. That just seems – Super bizarre to me. Um, I feel like you'd almost would have heard something at this point if he got tweaked in practice because Twitter would have blown up. The thing with Jair, though, is like that shoulder, and I've said this time and time again the last couple of weeks, especially as it's been more of a, I guess, a good guess 
that he would be coming back for the playoffs is the way he plays in so physical, especially in run support, like that shoulder, putting that shoulder down on Debo Samuel or Elijah Mitchell or trying to blow up a use check uh, block or a, a George Kittle chip out block. Like that's, that's going to be where it really, really, I think could impact this game. And I know for me, and I'm sure you guys alike and everyone that um, you know was watching the game is going to be holding their breath a little bit. The first time Jair puts his shoulder down or puts his head down and makes some contact um, one, it's like, okay, he still has it. But like two, like, how does he get up from it? And Jair's been one, I feel like, over the course of his career to really play with high emotion. It, it takes a lot for him to come out of a game. Um, that's why in that Steelers game, it was surprised that he came out, but you didn't really think much of it because he, he normally doesn't happen. So um, they're going to have to protect him from himself a little bit. But overall, it's it's incredible that Jair's going to come back, and I think he's one of the easier ones probably to plug and play. Um, you can say the same maybe about Zedarius or Merciless, but I think Jair coming back is huge, huge, huge because we saw that the Packers' secondary was – um, you know, it was exposed a few times throughout the season uh, when Jair was out, and now you're going to be going up against better offenses even yet. I mean, between the Niners, you know, the Rams, the Bucks, those are super, super solid offenses, and rightfully so. They've made it to the divisional round, but hopefully Jair can go. Hope, I mean, I would assume there's going to be a couple miscues there, whether it's um, you know, coverage-wise or maybe rolling a coverage over the top for one of the safeties to take. So I think that'll take time to figure out, but if – there, if preparation and the skill set that Jair has paired with the guys he has in his team and Joe Barry's coached him up enough, um, that shouldn't be an issue. So I'm ex- I'm completely ecstatic to see the best 53-man roster we've seen this entire year today. Yeah, I should have mentioned too, Whitney Merciless and Zedarius Smith both activated off of injured reserve. And so that's a huge, huge thing for the defense. You make a really good point, Matt, about – the Packers don't really have time to test this thing out and, and for bumps and bruises. I mean, for Jair to get out there and for there to be a mis- miscommunication in coverage, it can, all it takes is one for the season to go awry. And they're, they're going to be playing against the best of the best at this point. As we all know, the narrative that we've heard is if the Packers get a chance to play two games here, it could be the last two teams that beat them in the playoffs two, year, two years running, the Niners and the, and the Buccaneers on their way to the playoffs that they may have to get through if they want to get to the Super Bowl. This season, Paul, Jair Alexander, David Bakhtiari, we know how important they are and your thoughts on them, but the front for the Green Bay Packers up front on defense now gets such a huge, huge lift. With Zadarius, you just get some more chess pieces to play with up there, and you've already got some really good players in Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry, who's having himself a good season. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and, and just quickly on Jair, I do absolutely think he's going to play because in order to make room on the 53-man roster for Merciless and Z, Packers had to make two cuts because they were at roster capacity. They cut interior defensive lineman Jack Heflin, and they cut cornerback Isaac Yadam. So if Yadam's cut and say Jair didn't play, they only have five active cornerbacks, and I just do not see them going into a game with only five active cornerbacks. So as we like to do here, read the tea leaves. That's why I think Jair Alexander is going to play. Tea leaves. <laughs> In regards to Zedarius and Merciless being back, I mean, it's huge. Edge rusher is a premier position in this game. And even with the ups and downs that the defense has had this season, the Packers have consistently been very good, one of the best teams in generating pressure. Kenny Clark, uh, Rashawn Gary is number two in pressures among the edge rushers. Preston Smith is tied for 10th. But the depth of the edge rusher position was the the concern. I believe we talked about this last week a little bit as well. But getting Z in there, getting Merciless in there, there's certainly upgrades over Garvin and Tipa Nilai. And I still think that in the grand scheme of things, in terms of snap counts, it's going to be Preston Smith and Gary as the top two out there. They've been out there the entire season. Both have been uber productive, as I just mentioned. And I see Z and Merciless taking on those rotational roles, playing 20 to 30 snaps a game, maybe primarily on pass rushing downs. And I still think we're going to see Z out there with Preston and Gary as well, just because that's such a formidable pass rushing front. But the, we can't we can't overstate the importance of getting those two back because as good as Gary and Preston were, looking at the entire edge rusher group prior to Z and Merciless returning, depth was a very real concern. And there aren't a lot of concerns on this team, but that was one of them. However, now with those two back in the mix, it absolutely could become a strength. Yeah, and I think the the I've talked about the dialed in and the focus of the team this year. That's what has me less worried about some of these guys coming back. But, but Matt, again, you make a really good point. And, and certain positions like the secondary, you got to be in tune with your safeties and corners. And, and it's, it's not like the defensive or offensive line where you got the guy right next to you. A lot of times you see offensive linemen tap their guy next to him and there's you know un, unspoken communication and stuff like that. Some of that nuance there that's going to exist. But – on the offensive side of things, it looks like Randall Cobb is going to play and Marquez Valdez-Scantling won't be out there, so your deep threat may, could potentially be gone. I mean, Devontae Adams can do a lot of things, but to to not have uh, Valdez-Scantling out there as the Packers haven't for, uh, what, the past couple games. He didn't play much in, in the last game because he got hurt. Any potential impact that you think? I mean, the, the offense is going to do what it's going to do, and they're going to try to run the football. It's a cold day, and if the wind is what you're saying it was, Matt, then throwing could be a little bit more problematic. But as far as MVS not being out there on your concern level, I guess scale of 1 to 10, 10 being bad, bad, and 1 being not too concerned, where are you at with no 83 out there if he can't go? I'm not too concerned. I mean, MVS does add an, an extra element to the offense, 
you know, he can run super, super fast. He can pull the defense down the field and take the safeties away from the line of scrimmage when you're trying to run the ball more. That being said, you know, injuries have impacted his season thus far. He's had a couple big games, but he's had, you know, the, the average MVS type games as well. Um, I want to say he's only had like some crazy, like, I think I looked at the other day, like he only had like six receptions since like before Christmas or something crazy like that. And it's, it's skewed obviously based off of them having a bye week and, um, you know, with the, the first round bye and then being out. But like if Randall Cobb wasn't coming back, it'd be more of a concern. Cause then who's your third receiver at that point? I mean, that is kind of scary. Um, but like you mentioned too, like with the weather impacting it, throwing that ball 40, 50 yards on the field, the MVS, uh, not as likely, even if he was healthy. You can still take deep shots, uh, you know, those mid-range or medium-sized routes to uh, Devontae Adams on a back shoulder or, you know, a deep in route, uh, you know, the 20, 15-yard situation. So um, it impacts it slightly um, because, you know, the the safeties can creep up the line. I assume this game is going to be more of a ground-and-pound game from either side, um, and I expect that to to be the case, especially with the way the weather is and just the way both teams are playing down the stretch. So um, a little bit of concerned but overall the the impact that mvs has made in this season has been minuscule from my take um so it's not that big of a deal but it does suck because you never know i mean Cobb could come back and you know he's going to be super limited i don't expect him to be playing a ton of snaps but what if something happens he gets he gets dinged up and all of a sudden you are in a, a, a situation where it's Lazard and it's Devontae Adams and you don't really know who's going to be someone to contribute after that because you're kind of down receivers and pass catchers as it is throughout the season so slightly concerned but overall it's not that big of a deal because he hasn't really been that big of a contributor in my opinion EQ is a receiver you've got Malik Taylor if you really need him out there Amari Rogers kind of put himself in the doghouse if if you Mm -hmm. ask me after his special team's very questionable decisions in the Detroit game. So Paul, real quick, your thoughts on MVS and then what's behind him. If they have to rely on some of their depth as, as all the other position groups have had to do this season. I'd put it at like a six, maybe a seven for me, not because of, you know, the Packers obviously have other pass catchers that can step up. You guys mentioned them copying back. Uh, Lazard's been playing fantastic over the last month. We've seen the tight end position A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones out of the backfield. In terms of pass catchers, effective pass catchers, that's not the issue. But there's no one on this team that can do what MVS does with his 4-3-7 speed and being able to stretch the field. And when he was out following the 49ers game, when they played in the regular season for that stretch, the Packers' explosive play rate, it took a hit. And I certainly think that was because he wasn't there. Because that's, you know, that's his bread and butter. But on top of that, as we've talked about on the show before, his game has expanded. And with that speed of his, he's going to draw attention from the safeties in particular, which can open up other pass catchers for Green Bay. We've also seen him more refined on the intermediate routes. He hasn't played in the slot a ton, but he's been, when he has, he's been one of the most efficient receivers in football from the slot in terms of yards per route run. So I, like I said, in terms of pass catchers, the Packers have plenty. But in terms of what he brings to this team, there's not another person on the team that can do what he does. And in looking at this 49ers defense and how Green Bay can try to take advantage of it, I know it's going to be cold, but I won't be surprised if we see Green Bay come out slinging the ball because they're going up against a very good defensive front. But those Niner cornerbacks, that's that's the weak part of that defense. Mm-hmm. And I really think that this is a game where Devontae Adams can have – 
a big, big day. I mean, he, in week three, he was targeted 18 times. If he's targeted 15 times or in that ballpark, I'm not going to be surprised whatsoever. So I think that's going to be a path for Green Bay to find success on offense, which, I mean, that's not me breaking any news. They have Aaron Rodgers, they have Devontae Adams, but when looking at the Niner defense, I think that's a part that it can exploit. Rodgers has a lot of years of experience. He's played in a lot of playoff games. He's going to spread the ball around, and he knows how to get the best out of any player that's out there. But let's not make any mistake. In the postseason, when it's a little bit higher stakes and you're getting ready to throw the ball and you've got in the back of your mind a little question about where you're going to go with it, you can be sure 12 is going to be looking for 17, a very healthy dose in this in this game maybe to the detriment of the offense we've seen it happen before where he tried to force the ball in there I think he did it a couple times against Tampa last year in the NFC championship game so that kind of nicely transitions us over to kind of our our keys to the game so we'll each kind of give one and uh, Matt we'll start with you as far as as a key to the game or any thoughts on the other ones that we have here too but there's a lot of them We've, we've heard all the narratives about the 49ers pass rush, the run game, you know, Jimmy G only having to throw it nine times a couple seasons ago, obviously a different roster, different situation. So, uh, or maybe special teams and how the Packers special teams are not very good. Rick Gosling came out with his annual rankings. And of course the Packers, once again, at the bottom of the list, unfortunately. So is, is that perhaps where you're looking for this one? So what is your key to the Packers moving on and hosting another game? the weekend following in the conference championship? I think the ones for the Niners are kind of obvious, so I'm going to hopefully stick away from there and assume some, one of you guys will bring it up. And it's, I mean, anyone that's followed the that team or watched the Niners the last couple of years, it's not like they're doing anything new, right? Um, I'm going to go with something that Paul brought up a couple of weeks ago um, on his article from Darylin Express that we kind of talked about the, the X factors for the playoffs, and that being the Packers uh, special teams. And you kind of hit on the head as you, you wrapped up the question for me, Jason is at some point, I mean, there's been a couple games this year, uh, the Bengals game in particular where, you know, Mason Crosby was off. Um, and those have been far and few between. I mean, there's been a, a couple, you know, a handful of games, but it hasn't been anything, you know, that severe. I mean, maybe a miss here or there, but it's been, I feel like he's found his stride a little bit uh, more recent. And even when you have a new long snapper in there and, whatever I think he's found his way but I really really do think at some point whether it's the the coverage or specifically the return game on the kicker punt it's going to impact the game somehow I think Wisnowski's a, a damn good punter from the Niners I've never seen anything too flawed in the Niners special teams although you know how real intricate am I looking at from week to week it doesn't come up on my Twitter timeline as some viral thing where they're they just absolutely blunder so all in all, um, with a cold game like this with the wind swirling, I mean, that's that's a recipe for disaster for a returner or even a kicker or a punter. So I, I think that's a huge key. Like, don't you, – you know, frankly, you have probably a better offense. Assuming these guys that are, they're bringing back are 100% uh, you know, effective in the way they normally play, you got a better defense. Don't lose that third facet of the game. I mean, if you can, if you can control – uh, what you're doing on the special teams unit, that's fine. We met uh, David Moore has not been activated yet. Paul corrected me before we got talking in our group message that um, he still has time to be activated, which is great. Um, it's shocking to me that he really isn't already on the active 53 based off of how he performed uh, late in the season in that one game. So just right there already gives me concern. But, you know, when you guys are finally listening to this um, Saturday morning, shoot, if he's active, I, I feel a little bit, uh, you know, 
better about it, but 15 to 20 mile an hour winds, man, that can, anything that can happen in Lambeau and Lambeau can get some swirling winds up there. So I'm going to go with the special teams unit um, because, you know, if, if nothing happens in this divisional round and they end up winning the game, you know, fingers crossed, it, it could happen later on the road. So you hope they can queue up those miscues and the weather I assume is going to impact it in some capacity, but hopefully not as much as we've seen throughout the year in a condensed version. The mistakes are magnified in games like this. The Packers have three more games to win before they're bringing the Lombardi Trophy back to Green Bay. There's a lot that has to happen before that can go down, but we've all said it a bunch of times, and I've been knocking on wood, and now you kind of put it out there in the universe, Matt, where you you, you stated the obvious, and it's true. The special teams at this point now, it's it's one thing to to cost your, your team some yards or a game in Week 18 where it doesn't matter. But that could be the difference between winning and losing in some of these really close games. So no surprise that it's the special teams for you, Matt. And yes, there's going to be a lot of eyes and and ears listening for any updates there as far as the special teams and who's going to be out there or not. Don't forget, too, you've got Randall Cobb, who I know (laughs) muffed a punt when he went out there in, in relief of Amari Rogers. But at this point in the season, we've seen past Packers teams do the same thing. And we've said it before, you put your best 12, 11 guys on the field, you have your best 53 uh, up for the postseason. So, Paul, any quick thoughts on special teams and then give us your key to this game between the Packers and 49ers. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. So I'll have a couple keys, but in terms of special teams, I wrote an article about it for Dairyland Express on Friday. Though one one positive, I guess, is they're kind of trending in the right direction, and I know that was a very low bar to try to try to get over but Mason Crosby's only missed that one extra point in Detroit in Detroit since the uh, bye week there's the emergence of David Moore again as Matt said we still have to see if he's going to be activated or not but there just haven't been those egregious errors and this special teams unit they are who they are at this point there's no magic fix there's not going to be a magic turnaround they are who they are the hope is that they can just hold it together. Be competent. That's that's really all they need to do. This unit doesn't have to be great by any means. They just have to avoid those game-changing, momentum-changing, negative type of plays. So, of course, we're going to have all eyes on that. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball, my, my key to victory would be Green Bay getting off to a fast start and controlling the clock. It's something that they've struggled with this season. Uh, ironically, the one time that they did – or one of the few times they did go off to a fast start was against the 49ers. They're up 17 nothing in that game. Mm-hmm. But as we know, for most of the season, the 2021 season is actually kind of like a flip from 2019. You guys remember Matt LaFleur's first season? The opening script, they were so, so good. In that first mm-hmm. quarter, they'd jump out to those leads. And then the second quarter, third quarter is when the offense would stall. This year, it's been reversed. The opening script, and I don't have the answer, but they just have not been nearly as effective. The Packers finished the regular season ranked 25th and average first quarter points scored. But if they can get out to a fast start, obviously that means the offense is playing well. It means they're finding success in the red zone. But more importantly, or I should say just as importantly, that's going to benefit the defense. 
we know the defense has been trending downward. I don't think there's a magic fix out there to turn the, def- the, the defense around magically. I think the biggest boost that they can receive, and don't get me wrong, they need to play better. It's not to say that nothing can be done. But the biggest boost they can receive is from this offense. If Green Bay can jump out to a fast start, if they can control a clock, uh, you know, uh, extend those possessions, it's going to limit and take the Niners' offense out of their game plan. We know they want to run the ball. But as the game goes on, if you're down by 7, down by 10, down by 14, it gets a lot harder to rely on that run game, puts the ball in Jimmy G's hands, which ultimately is what we want for this Green Bay Packers team. And on the flip side, while they haven't gotten off to fast starts, they have been excellent in controlling the clock this season. They finished the season ranked first in time of possession, average time of possession per game. So, uh, But if they can get off to a fast start, I think that's just going to do this defense so much help. And I know they won't do it. I don't think it's in Matt LaFleur or Aaron Rodgers' DNA. But if Green Bay won the toss, I would love for them to take the ball. Mm-hmm. I know there's going to be fans out there who disagree because the double dip can be so valuable. Obviously, LaFleur, Rodgers uh, believe in that as well. And we've seen it a number of times. But I would just love for this offense to take the ball, go and score, and give their defense that seven-point lead. Yeah, that was – you took the – I was literally going to ask – defer or take the ball because that's <laughs> going to be a really big question as to what happens. And I think, so what do you think the Niners will do? I mean, what do you think the Niners want to do? I mean, I, I think both teams probably want the ball because San Francisco in a zero zero game can try to run the football. Now on the flip side, I'd expect the Packers to absolutely be ready for San Francisco to do everything they can to try to run the football. So I still think there could be value if green Bay defers because they should be so ready for it. And, and I don't know if, Shanahan uses any kind of a script like we know LaFleur does. But this is also the playoffs, and I think the Niners are going to try to steal some points, some possessions, some yards. You've got an X factor like Debo Samuel back there who spent a bunch of time in the backfield against Dallas. He's going to be everywhere, and the Packers are going to have to account for him. I still think we're going to see Trey Lance at some point in this game, and the Packers have to be prepared for that. I mean, teams know that the Packers can be run on, and there's there's – holes and there's there's kinks in the arm or whatever they call it there that can be exploited so Matt your thoughts on Paul's key there obviously it's it's very well taken I agree with it 100% and the key to controlling this game obviously is build up a lead score points hell yeah I mean honestly the the getting out to a fast start is I'm Paul hit it on the head and he also added in the uh you know, taking the ball, right? Not even worried about the double dip. I mean, that is huge. Brendan Dorzinski talked about that on our episode for um, Final Dump that came out on Friday for Game on Wisconsin. He he, he hit it on the head, too. He's like, you know, if they get out to a fast start, that eliminates the factor of the Niners being able to pound the ball as consistent as they want to. I, I, I think it's the best way, and Paul even, even followed it up previously with it or started it out, um, foreshadowed, I should say, with the fact that he thinks they'd come out throwing the ball right away, the Packers, um, that'd be fantastic. If they can get out and throw, the, sling the ball around a little bit, get into a little rhythm. Then that run game can be even more effective down the road. So if you can get out to a fast start, I think that's great. I, honestly, my eyebrows went up. Jason, you mentioned the Trey Lance thing. I, I had a, like a fleeting thought about that, maybe around the water cooler on Thursday. Like, would they even be get in there at some point with Garoppolo's injuries? Possibly. I think the, the, you know, the opportunity that would be would be like in the red zone goal line situation, but who the hell knows? I mean, it would be kind of it would be a little bit stupid on the Packers part to not think that he could get in the game just with the current health of Jimmy Garoppolo. 
But, dude, if Trey Lance gets in there at some point, I mean, I'm going to be standing up screaming at my damn TV because I I, I will not feel confident about that, even if he's a rookie or not and seen limited times. But I love Paul's, Paul's, you know, X-Factors are keys to the game. I think right away, if they can get out to an early start, whether they take the ball or not, that's going to dictate it. So in the first 10 minutes of the game, um, probably going to be on the edge of my seat even more so just to see if they can actually do that and not have to worry about stopping the run game if the Niners do get up by a score or two. One other thing I just want to add, watch out for the trick plays because that Lions game, and I know Packers are playing vanilla. It didn't matter to them. But they put on tape that they mm-hmm. can't. And Lafleur, I think, after the game, that's what he was just most mad about. Because guy, when those trick plays work, guys void their responsibilities. And Kyle Shanahan, as we know, we saw it even at the end of the Dallas game. He's not afraid to bust that kind of stuff out. So the Green Bay Packers have on tape that they're susceptible to that stuff. And I hope, my hope, and I'm, you know, actually thank you, Detroit Lions, for doing that because maybe it was an added area of emphasis during these last two weeks of practice but i'm not going to be surprised at all if i see kyle shanahan dive into his bag of tricks to try to fool green bay just because they've shown that you know they're susceptible to it wake up call for the packers and making sure that they're they're prepared and then think about this too how many touchdown passes have offensive linemen eligibles caught over the past couple weeks right so when you get a heavy Mm -hmm. running team down by the goal line and you're a defensive guy and you make the assumption that there's an extra offensive lineman in there to block and pave the way for the run game. And all of a sudden he squeaks into the end zone and he's catching a touchdown pass. The Packers need to be ready for everything. When you're trying to beat a team like green Bay, where it's probably going to take something extraordinary to do it. That's how you do it by taking chances. And, and as Bruce Arians has said many times, no risk it, no biscuit. The Niners are on the road. It's going to be cold. They've got some guys that are dinged up. They're going to play. but And I know these are very different situations, but 10 years ago, to your point, Matt, about Trey Lance and you screaming at your TV, we saw a young quarterback mm-hmm. who was very mobile have to step in for a pocket passer, where have you heard this story before, and the Packers had a lot of problems in that playoff game against that young quarterback. So obviously a much different time at this point right now. So uh, f- for me – it's taking the ball away. The defense has got to take the ball away, and especially so they, all these things intertwine. But, um, Paul, to your point, if the Packers get that control, the ball's going to be in Jimmy G's hands, especially with all the guys that are back and going to play in this game. There's going to be an opportunity at least once or twice for the Packers to steal one. And, and that's not even talking about ball security fumbling and, and the running backs, and hopefully the Packers are – Sure, tacklers, you know, they've been one of the best tackling teams this year. So get the guy to the ground. Don't whiff going for the ball and trying to be a hero in a playoff game. Just make the play. But the secondary, you got Jair back, Razul Douglas. It's been a while since we've seen him make one of his magical plays. The Packers have to take the ball away. I think when they, uh, and, and Paul, you can probably jump in with this one too. The Packers have an outstanding record when they win the turnover battle. I mean, they're, they're I mean, they're, what is no. it? Yeah. I mean, so, and, and that's under Matt LaFleur, I assume, right? Or yeah, is that just in their Matt last? LaFleur. So take the ball away and, and get, I mean, it sounds very easy, but that's what playoff games often come to. It comes down to, to turnovers. I mean, look at the NFC Championship game the Packers won to go to Super Bowl 45. B.J. Raji comes up with a huge improbable interception and scores. You just need big plays like that in the playoffs. And so I think that's what it is. It's, it's hanging on to the ball because the other thing that we've seen is the Packers 
have these magical seasons and then all their best players on the la- on the same day decide they're going to have their worst game of their career or the worst game of that season. And then you've got guys like Aaron Jones fumbling, Devontae Adams dropping passes. I rewatched Super Bowl 45. I was watching some highlights of it. Man, I forgot how many drop passes there were in that game. Like you just mm-hmm. have to hang on to the football. So protect the football on the Packers side, but they've got to take the ball away from San Francisco. And I don't, I'll tell you, I want this game. I want Green Bay up by at least 10 because that's going to take away the temptation from Shanahan to run those trick plays and try some of those gadget things that hopefully we don't, don't have to deal with. I mean, the Packers are going to hopefully live to, to see next week and they'll have to prep for it again against a whole new roster of players that are going to come in. But that's my, my key right there. And it's obvious, you know, I mean, everything that we said is very obvious and these are all really well-taken points, but the whole turnover thing, and it's been a while since we've seen Russell Douglas uh, take one away. I keep pointing to him, but he's just – I see things that get you there in the playoffs during the regular season become the storyline in the playoffs as well. So, Matt, your take. Obviously, the Packers have to win the turnover battle, but how might they do it? Where do you think the, the key comes from in that area? Pressure, man. That's where it's going to come. Like, we haven't even mentioned Jimmy G really at all. We've talked more about Trey Lance, which is hilarious, but, like, if you can get the pressure on him, right? Like make Jimmy have to throw with that busted up thumb with that bad shoulder, like make him win the game. Like, and that that's where, you know, we talked about it, like getting out to an early start for the Packers. If you get out to an early start, you're, they're going to have to rely on Jimmy Garoppolo. Like that's, that's exactly what you want. And that's probably not what Kyle Shanahan wants to do. Like he wants to be able to have Jimmy turn around, hand the ball off to whoever's got back there, whether it be Debo, Elijah Mitchell, whoever they activate, that's going to be another guy that can run the, the rock. So, it's going to be the pressure for me. And I think uh, the pass rush is going to dictate um, some coverage plays. And I, that's exactly what I expect to happen. So I don't know who's going to get the pick. It would seem at this point, one of the safeties are due for me. Um, but that's, that's exactly what I think is going to happen with these, with these fresh pass rushers coming in, regardless of how many snaps they can get collectively. I think there should be some pressures on there and a couple sacks and whether it's a fumble or a, an interception, that's where I expect it to come from. It's going to be the safeties. No better time for somebody to step up and finally have a big game than 26 Darnell Savage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Paul, your thoughts on the turnover battle and where the Packers' biggest opportunity might be to get one or two. I mean, I agree with everything you said, and I think Jimmy G is going to, at some point, afford them that opportunity. It's just can they capitalize on it, on it or not. Uh, and a key part for Green Bay is going to be forcing, and I, where, where I think these turnover opportunities can come, is forcing him to throw to the boundaries. So in one of my articles this week, I had talked about how Jimmy G loves the middle of the field. So Debo Samuel's been targeted 117 times this season. 80 have come between the numbers. George Kittle's been targeted 93 times this season. 67 have come between the numbers. That's where the Niners like to make their hay. And as we know, Kyle Shanahan's a very good coach at getting those guys in space. And with that... They're also very good at picking up yards after the catch. So Jimmy G is averaging 29.9 pass attempts per game. That's the fourth fewest in football. In terms of average depth of target, so on average, how far does the pass travel? He ranks 30th out of 39 quarterbacks, eligible quarterbacks. But the 49ers passing offense is number one, according to Sharp Football, in explosive pass play rate. So how do they accomplish that? Yak, 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 yak. Debo Samuel is uh, second among receivers in total yak, first in average. George Kittle's for fourth in total yak among tight ends, sixth in average. Brandon Ayuk, he ranks ninth in yak, um, yak average among receivers. 
even Elijah Mitchell, the the running back, he's averaging 3.83 yards after contact. That's the fourth best in football. This Niners team is very explosive with the ball in their hands. And with that, tackling is going to be so, so crucial. Jason, you mentioned that. Packers actually rank second by Pro Football Focus in tackling the season. They have the fewest tackles missed in football. And that's going to be so vital to their success because we know Kyle Shanahan's going to drop. Those guys are going to get the ball in space, but it's being able to limit what they do. It's keeping everything in front of you. It's 11 guys to the ball. And one other piece that I want to mention that's going to be important for this defense is gap responsibility against the run, particularly the edge rushers. They don't, they can't get too far upfield that creates running lanes. If they get too aggressive and we've seen this, especially as of late, Going towards a quarterback, that's going to create running lanes towards the outside. Kyle Shanahan's going to run a lot of eye candy to try to keep them off balance, keep them guessing. Can't fall for it, can't over-pursue again. That's going to create running lanes for the the 49ers game, run game with Debo Samuel and Elijah Mitchell. So tackling and just those fundamentals, it, you know, in the grand scheme of things, we're boiling this down to turnovers, tackling, and and gap responsibilities, which are some of the basic core fundamentals of football. But as we have these discussions we each week, and not just us, but in general, they're, they're aspects that are forgotten about. But when you look at how this Green Bay Packers team is going to find success against the 49ers, I mean, those are those are the big things. And if we look at one game in particular against Cleveland, where Green Bay had perhaps their worst tackling performance of the season, where Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, the edge rushers, they weren't maintaining their edge. They weren't setting the edge. Cleveland ran for 220 yards. They averaged almost nine yards per carry. And it's certainly within the realm of possibility that if the Packers have that type of performance against the 49ers, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say they're going to average nine yards per rush because that was just absolutely absurd. But if they have that type of performance, the Niners are going to find a lot of success on the ground. Could you imagine if we find out at some point – Later today, magically, I know it can't happen, but Raheem Mostert's active and he's playing for. Some... Oh my god! <laughs> Just uh, even they should get another running back. Yeah, ghost of wild. playoff teams past, but that's a good point, Paul. And I think San Francisco, all these teams that are in the playoffs are there for a reason because they're really good. And if you need a, if you, if you wanted a test there against a really good offensive line and a good running back of what things can be like in the playoffs, Cleveland was that. Unfortunately, the Packers survived, and they, but they survived because the quarterback on the other side was not playoff worthy, and, and the Browns are not in the playoffs, so there's a reason for that. So very good points, all very well taken. And I have to say, in, in listening to you talk about George Kittle and the fact that that's the first time his name has come up here, I feel like we got to knock on a little bit of wood as well and hope that he's not the, the guy that wrecks the game because he's tough to bring mm-hmm. down, right? I mean, he's, he always seems to break a lot of tackles and – Packers are going to have to have him on lockdown. They've got a lot of things to focus on in this game. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. All right, so prediction time. Packers, Niners for a chance to go to the NFC Championship game for a third straight season. How is this one going to shake out? I know you guys have probably already given your predictions and some of your written work on your shows, but let's go around the horn. Matt, we'll start with you. What do you got for a final score? Uh, I'm going to make it short and sweet. I just want to double check what the line is. I know last night it was at six, but just update everyone along the way. I think it's at five and a half right now. Still at five and a half. Actually, the over under went up a point. If anyone actually cares about that, doesn't change my score at all. Uh, even with the weather change slightly, uh, every single Niners Packers game that I can remember, besides obviously that blowout a few years ago where they ran the ball on their throats, Jimmy G only ran it or threw it seven times. 
Um, they've been really damn close. So I'm going to go with the Packers aren't even going to cover. Um, I'm going with the score 23-21 Packers in Lambeau going to the NFC Championship game. And whoever they take on is going to be a hell of a matchup in the NFC Championship game. And also one other point, Paul came in pretty hot today with the Texas but he delivered today on this podcast. I'm going to, I'm going to just put that out there. He, he brought some damn good information that I kind of forgot about along the way. So shout out to him as, okay. as always. Would you expect anything else? I wouldn't, I shouldn't. So, all right, Paul Packers Niners that uh, Matt's got it a squeaker. Now I don't know if that's a late score by the Niners that makes it look closer than it was. How do you have this one going in a frigid cold Lambeau field on Saturday night? So I have the Packers winning 30 to 24. The Niners, they certainly pose their challenges to this Green Bay Packers team, but Green Bay overall is the more talented team. The discrepancy in quarterback play is huge. It's at Lambeau Field. Green Bay's coming off a bye. And and when we look at some of those challenges that the Niners pose, their pass rush, this Green Bay Packers offensive line is going to be the healthiest it's been all season. And so not to say it's going to be easy, not to say it's going to be, there aren't going to be bumps in the road, but they've found a way all season to handle some very good pass rushes. I mean, it's not like they haven't faced any challenges this year with injured players. They certainly have, and they've held up well. So I expect them to continue to do that. And as I mentioned earlier, I think Rodgers and Adams are going to have a lot of success. Defensively, obviously that's where the concerns lie. But one big thing that we can look at as a difference maker from this time and like the last time, not week three, but 2019 when they met, is the Packers have Devondre Campbell in the middle of that defense, not Blake Martinez. So when I talked about tackling, been the best tackling linebacker in football. His coverage play over the middle has been superb this season where Jimmy Garoppolo likes to attack, and then his run defense as well. And obviously it's going to take more than Campbell, but I think that's such a big difference maker from the last time these two met in the playoffs. And each time this season when that defense, even if they've been you know leaking oil along the way, when they need a stop, they have found a way to come up with a stop. And you guys know I love my numbers, but this one is just pure feeling. The Green Bay Packers, I don't know how they're going to be denied this season. It just feels like this has to be it, right? And so I know I'm 100% going on emotion with that added element to it, but it's what I believe. So Packers 30, Niners 24. See, that's the rarity for you, Paul. That's like you getting out of your <laughs> out of your space, whereas I only live in Emotionalville. So, and if you listen to Quick Slants earlier this week, it was almost like a locker room speech. I got a little preachy, but that was kind of my mantra, which was this year's Packers team is just prepared. They're dialed in. They're ready. Matt LaFleur owes Kyle Shanahan one. I know they've won the last two games in San Francisco last year against a beat-up Niners team earlier this season. Still a big victory, but it was a regular season game. Matt LaFleur owes one to his buddy Kyle Shanahan for the way that that the Packers got bounced out a, a couple years ago. And tip of the cap to the Niners, they played a great game and they were able to do what they wanted to do. And so that's why they won the game. But this it, mat- it matters something to these guys when you're going up against your former colleagues and Kyle Shanahan... Anytime LaFleur is playing against the Rams and Sean McVay, it's, it adds a little extra to the rivalry here. And I, I have to believe the Packers are going to be absolutely prepared and ready to go. Not, not to mention, as I've said a million times before, this is Matt LaFleur's third crack at it. We don't know what this team is going to look like next year. They can't afford to come out not prepared. They can't afford to come out not ready to tackle and do all the things that have gotten them to this point. It's certainly possible, but this game's at Lambeau Field. There's been a, a big push a big campaign to keep tickets out of the hands of Niners fans. So I expect the crowd to be loud. It's going to be cold. All the things you want 
for playoff football. I've got a 27-21 Packers. It's a clean sweep. All three of us are picking Green Bay to win this game. I don't know if they can quite get to 30, and that's only because of the weather factor, but I certainly think it's possible. And if you've got someone as dialed in as Aaron Rodgers, and trust me, there's been plenty of doubt placed on him, and we all know how he loves to respond to that. I think he's going to have himself a really nice game as well as all the biggest players. Your best players have to play their best game. If the Packers get that from guys like Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Kenny Clark, we'll take it easy on Jair because he hasn't played in a really long time. But if Russell Douglas does what he does and the script stays on as it's, as it's been all season, I think the Packers absolutely come away with a victory. So there's still going to be work to be done after this game, regardless of how it shakes out. So let's go around the horn as far as what is coming up there. So whether they win or they lose, Paul, what's going on over Dairyland Express and Cheesehead TV? So you can get ready for Packers Niners at Dairyland Express and Cheesehead TV. Uh, got my three keys to victory, five big questions. Had an article just devoted to the importance of tackling which I know is a bit redundant because football tackling is obviously important, but seems particularly important this week at Cheesehead TV. It talked about if the Packers can have one player, you know, outside of Rashawn Gary, Devondre Campbell, the big name guys have a big game on the defensive side of the ball. It's Darnell Savage. Again, that middle of the field where the Niners like to attack yak ability, the importance of the safeties and Joe Barry's defense against the run. If Savage can have a good game on Saturday, it's going to go a long way for this Packers defense. Yeah, for sure. So hopefully some good things to come there. We'll have the Quick Slants podcast that will come out on Monday and then again on Thursday of next week. Either way, we'll have a bunch to talk about. Hopefully we're talking about another football game. Matt, I would assume same situation for Final Dump. It's either going to be a recap of what could have been or let's go in the NFC Championship game. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, the exact same way we're going to hope to come on uh, next Saturday with our with our episode here with Packaday. So same thing, Brendan and I will be, hopefully be previewing a game and hopefully talking about a, a close matchup that we're all kind of predicting versus the Niners, or we won't be. So I uh, definitely hope it's the first one. But, yeah, find all the content over on Game on Wisconsin with everyone putting out stuff um, as we get into the divisional round. Yeah, awesome stuff for sure. And, everybody, the only thing left to do is enjoy the game. So enjoy the rest of your Saturday. As always, wherever you are at – And if you're watching this game on TV, be glad you're going to be in the comfort of your living room because it's going to be nice and frigid in in Green Bay, Wisconsin. So with that, I'll say, as always, everybody, go Pack Go, stay safe, stay warm, and let's go beat those Niners. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.